Hey, what's up, y'all? I'm your host, Andrew Lanza. Welcome to the Muffs and Nerfs presented by The Mind Refiner. This podcast will be hosted by myself and Sam Hall. Sam and I will explore the cultural significance of video games and examine their artistic merit and how it reflects the industry as a whole. So sit back and enjoy the Buffs and Nerfs. And as always, a subscribe and positive rating on this or anything you've listened to would be greatly appreciated. All right, everybody, welcome back to Buffs and Nerfs. I'm your host, Andrew Lanza. With us, as always, is my future roommate, Sam Hall. Sam, how's it going, buddy? That's news to me. Um, yeah, I gotta go. I, I gotta go set fire to an extra room in my house. But before I do that, I'll say hello, everybody out there in podcast, li- podcast, podcast listening world. Good, 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 good to good to be back for this episode. I thought we'd kind of talk about games as an art form. Um, specifically, we're gonna examine three games each that we would each, you know, kind of consider to be. Um, you know, of high artistic merit, to put it to put it um, bluntly, I guess. So yeah, um, I guess kind of first off, I guess maybe do you want to kind of define what we mean when we mean um, like you know considering a game a piece of art? Do you you want to maybe define that for us? Sure. Uh, I think when a game is a piece of art, I did air quotes, can't see it. It's really kind of it goes beyond simply fulfilling the need to, oh, I need to be entertained for the next however long I'm going to play this and I'm looking into the story. It's the kind of thing where it grabs you and you think about it after you've played it. And years later, you think about it again. Um, you replay the game several times. It's not necessarily a criteria, but it's the kind of thing where you can see yourself replaying a game because it's not just one thing about this story. There's a lot of games that have, like, do one thing really well, but the rest of it is kind of, well, it's sort of a combination of, design writing um the gameplay graphics i guess but even that's not necessarily all that important uh i think a video game is art when maybe, connects... maybe just like the art style instead of like saying graphics maybe like the uh like kind of just like this the oh, style the sure, sure, yeah. yeah the visuals sure yeah and the art style or the visuals have to be something that grabs you i think a game in order for a video game to be considered art it has to sort of step beyond to simply either mass-produced or independently produced game that's just out to uh, just entertain you with a game, but kind of have something more behind it. Have, mm-hmm. like, this a massive amount of effort of people in all the departments that make a video game, whether it's just a few people or a ton of people, uh, working together, and you can feel they had this, like, singular vision, and it came out so good that it emotionally resonated with you on some level. Yeah, I, I would agree with all that. It's kind of like the game has to be firing on all cylinders, like at every kind of like every aspect of it kind of like has to be not only just like technically top notch, but it has to be, you know, it, it, like it has to evoke emotion. And this has to be like there there are games that, you know, like they I've experienced emotion from time to time in or, you know, kind of like the ending of the game. But I think that to really be considered art, the game kind of almost has to like evoke some sort of emotion from you almost like at all times like i i love a shit ton of games but like a lot of times you're just like going through the grind or whatever and like not to say you're not having a good time but like you like you might be feeling excitement or whatever but you're not kind of like going through all the human emotions and i, and I think at the end of the day that's like all aspects of the game are firing you know at like they're just firing off they're all top notch and they're all just like eliciting the, that emotion yeah 100 percent. i like what you said there about more than just, like, one moment of emotional connecting. Like I said, I could be connected on an emotional level, but I mean, like, 
as you're experiencing when you're at the start of the game, the middle of the game, the end of the game, or if it's mm-hmm. some game that you repeatedly played like a strategy game or something. Um, yeah. it, it just has to be like when you're playing it, whether you've just started or you're nearing the end or whatever phase you are, if you're like sitting there and you have this like, it, it's, it's just hitting some part of your, your heart, your soul. Exactly. So well. Yeah. It just, it really, yeah, it, it, it gets you in the feels. And I mean, that's not, again, that's not what I'm looking for every time I play a video game. I'm not looking to go on like an emotional journey every single time I play. Oh, but I, well, every single time. Call I, of Duty. I, I hope you do. Pac-Man. The emotional. Sorry, oh, interrupting oh. you. Go on. Go on. My bad. Fortnite is from a storytelling uh, standpoint is a magnum opus. That's well, it's just a retelling of Twelfth Night, like Shakespeare's play. But I, I don't want to get into that. That's like a there's a lot of detail. It's a deep dive. We'll we'll, we'll have a Fortnite episode, I'm sure. Yeah, hundred percent. We we won't, but just no, we will. Record. I'll just play it for in the podcast for like twenty minutes and go like, yeah, this is fine, but it's not for me, and just leave. Follow Sam on Twitch. Um, he'll be playing Fortnite from the end of the recording until forever. Um, but yeah, so I guess we're going to kind of structure it in the way of like, we're going to name kind of our, you know, maybe not top three games, but I guess maybe the, like the three games that we think have the most, I guess, artistic value. Is that, is that a good way to put it? I don't know. Well, three of the games we would consider have the most artistic value. Like I have a small pool of games that hit me on that level, but the three I chose are the ones where it's the easiest for me to say what I like about it. Mm-hmm. so then there are a couple of other games where i was like maybe but you know i know i really like this game but i don't know how to get out that i like it yeah i mean it's it, like any game in and of itself is, is going to be artistic in some way unless there's just some absolute shovelware fucking malware microtransaction laden you know mobile game or whatever but for the most part there's some artistic merit to every single game whether you know it be the music or the storytelling, or, you know, even, you know, the, you can have art in a, in, in combat. Like, you, a, a game can have an insanely good combat system. And, like, hell yeah, fuck, I would call that art. Like, somebody took their time and really finessed that and really made it, you know, satisfying. It flowed. It had variety, et cetera, et cetera. So, I mean, I, yeah, I feel like you can really look at almost any aspect of a game and, and you know, see its kind of um, artistic merit. Yeah, I agree with that 100%. Uh, it's, uh, a lot of games may not hit everything, but many games have that one thing they do well. Maybe the rest of the game isn't so great, but like you can def- you can definitely tell when certain parts of a game, the people involved in that part in the game overall really focus to make that one part good. And I think artistic games like the ones I'm going to mention, it wasn't just one part. They did a whole bunch of parts that kind of came together and worked really well with some flaws mm-hmm. here and there, which I'm sure I'll get into. Of course. Um, well, you want to start us off with, I guess, you know, your your sure. loose third choice. My loose third choice is the 2008, can't remember the year, uh, Grand Theft Auto San Andreas. Now, I'm not talking about Grand Theft Auto 5 that came out in 2013. I'm talking about the San Andreas one that came out in the 2000s. This was a game that I played from start to finish, super enjoyed, and it was also a game that I felt never had any lulls like it always i mean like l-u-l-l not l-u-l-z not, not or yeah not lulls yeah not lulls for the jokes but never had like moments of oh, i don't know if this isn't so great like it was always it was a interesting characters pretty good story though the fact that it hung on the whole concept of like oh my god these cops are gonna say i killed a cop i, I have to do what they do and then i kill five cops on the way to like deliver courier packages or just driving around listening to like 90s music um 
but it was a great story. It was very well performed. Like the actors who did the voices oh, yeah, and the the thing voice were so were good. Killer, killer. Just it's still one of the best. Um, the radio stations, like the musical choice and the scoring of the game, is just great. Like every channel was worth listening to, even the ones that didn't have um, music, like the talk channels. And also the game itself was it just captured. It had such a good style and feel to it that it never felt like you were wasting time in it, even when you were wasting time in it. Even when you were like, oh, I don't know what I want to do. I'm just going to tour around and, you know, listen to music, maybe like, you know, go on a rampage or whatever. But like, it, it was such a great game that combined uh, style, writing, graphics for the time. Like, it looked very good. Uh, it had a definite arts direction to it, more than simply like, oh, we're trying to make a city. Like, it had a very sort of like, the Los Santos had really saturated purples and yellows and sort of colors like that. Um, San Fierro felt vastly different than uh, Los Interest. That's what they called their Las Vegas. Um, yeah, just overall, the game was very, it just connected with me on a level, and it was something that I was always looking forward to play. And there's actually like one moment I really want to talk about in the game when I was kind of thinking, well, what was a good moment where the uh, story kind of came together? So you go through, your minor spoilers for gamers that are a decade old. Uh, you basically go through the whole California countryside, and a lot of you know this, and uh, one of the goals you're trying to do is to get your brother out of jail. So you've just gone through like all of Los Angeles, or Los Santos, San Fierro, Las Venturas, and you return to Los Santos, and you're just like, hey, brother, it's good to see you, because he gets released because you helped James Woods. And then, like, and your brother immediately goes, like, look at you, man, what the hell? And you're like, I'm like, what the hell are you talking Oh, yeah, I am kind of just dressed like a, like, it's sort of like you spend so much time, like, doing these other things and activities. I had, like, on, like, a bowling shirt or something like that. I totally did not look like how I, uh, whatchamacallit, how I had started out in the game. And I think it was, there was a lot of writing in the game that sort of reflected really that word. That, that's great world building right there. Yeah, yeah, it was 100% great world building. It was 100% um, a game that, like, it sort of, it connected with me on a level, and I will say of my three games, it's the one that's probably the most technically artistic in my opinion, the sense of the game for me, what makes it so artistic is the fact that all the design elements, the gameplay, the story, the writing, but more of the technical stuff, like the look and the gameplay came together to make this really enjoyable experience. I won't say it's the best written of the three uh games i've chosen but it's definitely the one my first pick because the art was so strong in a technical sense like the gameplay and all the elements came together to create this really satisfying experience that also had good writing and performances with it mm -hmm. uh, uh, um yeah I, I like as far as uh the grand theft auto series go goes um i i always got to give it up for for um vice city i i probably do think that overall um san andreas is is a better is, is a more well-made game. Um, I think there's a whole lot more to San Andreas. You know, there's more, definitely more value. There's way more, um, you know, gameplay to it. But I don't know, just that nailing that vibe of like 80s Miami, uh, they're like Vice City just just does it for me. Um, ha having said that, San Andreas, I love, man. That's the first game I can really remember um, going to like a store at Open to buy. Yeah. Um I remember I worked I worked nights at um at a at a grocery store at the time 
And I remember after I was done work, I remember I got some breakfast and I kind of bummed around waiting for um, EB to open. And I honestly, I thought there was going to be like a big line at EV and I just like go walk in, just grab a coffee, a, co- a coffee. It was, there's no problem. I mean, it, it wasn't even more like, it wasn't like, um, I was there to beat the line. Like I had, I was around in the area for work anyway, but I still thought it was definitely going to be like a little more like bumping, but it was literally just me being like, like my copy of Grand Theft Auto, please, please. I hope you don't card me. I, I, well, I was old enough to buy it. No, I remember me actually, too. I was, I, I think I was 19 at the time. So you, it was fine. When it came out, um, I remember it had like a midnight release and I went to the Game Shack in the atrium in Toronto. It's uh, to like sort of like a subway connected underground mall. And mm-hmm. I was there at midnight in a line of like, I'm going to say it was probably about like, I feel like it was like a dozen or 20 people ahead oh, of me or cool. something like that. Like it was actually like a lineup of people. I was like, oh shit. Yeah, like they had was, called and said, "Hey, we're going to release this right at midnight, so go ahead." So that's that, sort of yeah, thing. that's that's cool. That's cool. No, for me, I was this was like nine a like I think I was off at like seven, and then this was like nine a.m. in Etobicoke, so it wasn't such a big deal. I I don't think. <laughs> um, but yeah, having said that, like I I really really do love this game. Like like again, I talked about the aesthetic of you know Miami in the eighties, but like alternately, they just nailed that aesthetic of you know. Um, LA in the nineties. And I mean, I haven't obviously been to Miami in the eighties. I haven't been to LA in the nineties. So when I say they nailed the aesthetic, I was like the aesthetic that I have come to know from, you know, popular culture. Well, um, you've got a time machine. You really should just go back and check it for the check out. I would probably do a lot of blow if that, if that were the case, I would just go back to Miami and just like go nuts. Like we, we don't need that. We, we, we don't need that at all. Um, that, but that, that is, if I had a time machine, that's the only thing I would do. Um, but yeah, I like, as far as like gameplay, like there, there were a few like of those missions, the, um, like, like the David Cross, um, Oh, the, uh, the art, yeah, those yeah. missions. And then also there was like the, well, you just got to follow the damn train, CJ. Like, you know, the, 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 the train mission that, you know, it's been memed out of existence, but, um, I, yeah. I do know that mission. The funny thing is, is I did it on my second, maybe third try or something. And then later I heard it was hard. And the funny thing was that I replayed the game a couple times. And like the first time I played it, I, you know, when you're doing like a mission or something for the first time ever, and you're just like, oh, I'm just, and you just kind of do okay. I mean, I didn't complete it, but I was like, okay, I can get this done. Every single time I played that game over like the next three or four years, that mission got harder and harder for me to do. By the end of it, it was like, why am I not able to do this? I've played this game before. What the hell? <laughs> Um, yeah, I, honestly, I haven't ever revisited it. I, it was like, I played the shit out of it when it came out and then like, you know, fucked around here and there. But like, as far as storyline goes, I played the shit out of it when it came out. Um, one thing I remember really, really liking about San Andreas was, uh, the flight school and like the whole like flying of the yeah. game. I know I, I love the flying, but as far as like an art, like from an artistic standpoint, for sure, like like you, you mentioned the talk radio, the, the talk radio, like I love the music, like the music is always so fitting. Let's get that out of the way. But like 100%. The, the real gems are like, you know, Laszlo in um, Vice City and shit. And like you have those uh, talk, talk radio moments where it's just like, they're so funny and like, it's just so appropriate for the time. Like I'm sure there's like anachronisms and stuff, but I mean, for the most part, it's just like so perfect for the time. Like they really nailed that time. Um, they have like the, kind of like the 
like the PMRC or whatever, like the, uh, like, you know, just the demonizing like rock music and stuff. I remember in that one, but mm-hmm. yeah, just overall, like, like it was a beautiful game too. Like I remember those like sunsets and stuff and like lost lot. What was it? Los Angeles. It had great colors. Yeah. It had, it had really good, like yeah. saturated colors here and there. The desert part looked great. It was, it was a really good game. Yeah, it just, it, it, and it just, I mean, other than, like, I, I've never been a fan, I know you can turn it off, but, like, the whole, like, lock-on targeting of, of, um, of Rockstar games, aside from, like, the clunky kind of, like, every Rockstar game kind of has clunky shooting, but, uh, like, aside from that, I, like, I can't really say too much about it. It definitely, it was starting to go down the path of, you know, more scripted missions and less kind of like free form missions i i think but i was i'm like i'm i'm, I'm okay with that I, I thought their mission structure for for the most part was great but yeah it's it's definitely one one of my one of my favorite games that i've i've ever played for sure i yeah it's my number three choice uh and now as a way to segue what is your number three choice i'm not normally the mediator on this good segue thank you I'm about to ride that around downtown. Yeah, so my game, I mean, it's it's kind of like, like for me, my first and second choice are were like no-brainers. So my third choice, I was kind of like thinking I, I could choose all these ones, and I thought, you know what? Heck it all. I played this game. I had no idea this game existed. Um, my, my friend invited me over, and she's like, you got to come over. You, you got to play this game. I'm like, okay. So she's like, you got to play this game. It's called Sayonara Wild Hearts. And I'm like, pardon? Sayonara who? Sayonara Wild Hearts. So I go over and she's like, okay, all right, like, uh, like we kind of like chill, whatever, got some food. She's like, all right, you ready to play? I'm like, yep, let's do it. She's like, okay, before we start, you have to smoke weed. I'm like, yeah, I was going to do that anyway, but okay, the whole B- BRB. So this game boots up and it's, as I said, it's called Sayonara Wild Hearts. And essentially what it is, is at its core, it's a rhythm game. Now you might be like, okay, cool, whatever. It's like, I don't know, like Bit Trip Beat or like Rock Band or whatever. But the thing is, is it takes, and like, that's what you, it's like first level, you're like, oh, okay, this is a cool little rhythm game. But every single level is, it's almost its own type of game. So it takes all these genres of video game, whether it be a shooter, a side scroller, kind of like arcade, you know, shooter, like a, I don't know, like a Galaxy or something, or sorry, Galaga or whatever. And it takes all these different game modes that as a gamer you're completely like you're speaking the like they're speaking your language you know what i mean mm-hmm. so it's like they take all these games that you're familiar with and then they put like a like a twist on it like a um like a rhythm twist where you're you're playing these games but you have to play them to the beat and the thing is the beat and the music is absolutely phenomenal i've only played through the game um i played through it once and i played through like a bunch of levels like another time but uh, so i've only really played the game a good one time but I have listened to that soundtrack on Spotify so many times. If you know me, I enjoy, you know, synthy vibes. I love a good, like, synth wave. Um, just, like, you, you stick a synthesizer in there and, like, a nice beat, and I'm going to dig it. And, like, it's just this, like, beautiful shimmering soundtrack of, like, these, like, big synthy poppy tracks that are just so, so catchy. Every single song, even if you have no interest in gaming and you're listening to this, which I don't know why you would be, but if you've never heard the Sign Our Wild Hearts soundtrack, pause this. No, okay, actually, don't pause this. L- l- listen to the end of it, <laughs> and then as soon as this is, as soon as you're done listening to this, put on the Sign Our Wild Hearts soundtrack from track one, and you will enjoy it. It's just a whole hell of a lot of fun. Um, 
as far as the aesthetic goes, it's just like kind of really, um, really nice, uh, kind of like cell shaded kind of has this like neon kind of like, uh, outrun, uh, synth wave kind of synth wave kind of vibe to it. So it's got like really, really beautiful visuals. The gameplay, as I said, at times it can be like a little sketchy. There's like this one level where you're like, I, I think you're like riding on a motorcycle. There's like another one where you're like riding on like a unicorn or something. This sounds so tripped out, but like sometimes it's like a little iffy the, the the controls but for the most part it controls really nicely it's a really beautiful beautiful fun game that has a really cool twist on a genre aka like the rhythm genre and alternately like every almost every other genre in gaming all set to an amazing amazing soundtrack well it sounds like a game i should really be checking out it was funny when you mentioned it it was like i had to look so i'd never heard of this game before was it um did they ever make any like how old is it first of all do you know when it came out uh 2019 um oh so super recent okay cool Cool. yeah it was released in on playstation in 2019 sorry if that was quiet i was looking at my computer um yes so it was it was uh released in 2019 um it's actually a nice little uh swedish studio i believe i think it's a it's a swedish studio by the name of uh simogo had that up look at that homework um so yeah so it's yeah it's i i can recommend it more highly i think i mentioned it to you before and you were like super intrigued you're like oh that sounds really cool but then i mean mm-hmm. you, you know it's it's a weird name and you're never going to be it's also playstation like you know i know you're not on your playstation often oh is like, it not on pc or anything that's strictly playstation exclusive? nope microsoft windows 2019 december 12th look at that oh great I, yeah actually wow and i and um i remember it being um my friend telling me it was pretty cheap so I don't think it's not like an eighty dollar game or whatever. I think it's probably like thirty bucks or something. From what you said, it sounds like I should uh, definitely check this game out. Um, I do like rhythm games. Like I mean, I don't have a comparable rhythm game that I played a lot of, except for maybe like guitar or rock band. I played a little bit of, but uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah, no, I, I saw a few screenshots when we were talking about this, and I was like, oh, this looks really intriguing. I'm definitely going to check it out, assuming it's not an eighty dollar game. No, no, and like, and like, as I said, the art style is like super cool. So even if you like check out, um, like a trailer or like music video or something, like it'll definitely give you a good idea of of what it's all about. But as I said, it was just super cool because I went into it having no idea what it was, and then each like each level is a song. So when you play, like the first level is pretty much just the most standard kind of rhythm game and you're like oh okay this is cool this is really pretty this song is really cool and then you're like okay i got this kind of this game figured out and then it goes into the second level which is completely different third level completely different and like so on and so on but like the way it's structured as i said is like it's like each level is um is its own song so um yeah the album is you know play it on spotify or apple music or whatever and it's just super easy to listen to because i mean it's the whole game is pretty much just an album. So yeah. So as, as far as like an artistic kind of um, little package, it's, it's only, I think that the game is only about an hour. Um, if you play through it, obviously perfectly, there are times where you fail and you have to like restart a song and there's like little checkpoints throughout the song and shit. It's, it, it's not a huge, like hugely long game. It, it would probably take the average gamer to beat in like an hour and a half, maybe type thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a lot of fun anyway. So, Hit me with your number two, my bro. Okay, my number two pick is also a sequel. In fact, spoiler alert for my number one pick, it's a sequel as well. Wait, hold on, hold on. Grand Theft Auto San Andreas is a sequel? I don't know, I never, I almost never, yeah, I guess. 
Yeah, okay. I guess. What are you talking about? Well, it's it like... goes Grand Theft, Grand Theft Auto 3, Grand Theft Auto San Andreas, uh, Vice City, Vice San, City. Andreas, San Andreas, and then 4, and then 5. Like, it's, it's almost like an sequel is offshoot. a game in a series. It's not an offshoot. It's a sequel to, it, like, first of all, if you want to go strictly by story, it's actually a prequel to Grand Theft Auto 3. Because there's a race in there where after you've done your shit in Los Santos, you go into the sort of like the woods north of there and sort of like a rustic California and uh, kind of thing. Um, and you end up in this street race and you've got this Latino woman who is uh, constantly bothering you and stuff like that. And so you race against her, you eventually win the races and you move on to San Fierro. But she's actually the villain in Grand Theft Auto 3 and the driver who races for her is the guy you play in grand theft auto 3 it's a direct connection i'm calling it a Ooh. sequel because it came second but it's actually technically a prequel and there's also characters from uh, uh vice city who show up in uh uh what you call it and oh my god my brain is fried san andreas uh like the lawyer from uh, basically sean penn from oh yeah from uh, uh carlito's way Carlito's way exactly like that. Yeah, that guy he shows up true. again, and when you get to Las Venturas and uh, uh, one thing, but yeah, um, we can be so pedantic. I'm, yeah, okay. So we've spent way too much time talking about that. Now on to my <laughs> actual sequel pick. It just it, the truth has to be told. Um, we'll talk. We'll we'll talk more later. We'll talk. Yeah, oh yeah. Damn right we will. So my second pick is not a surprise pick. It's actually one of the most popular of its role-playing game genre of western role-playing games in the last decade really because i think it came out in 2013 and that's the witcher 3 by uh cd project red it's just a great game from start to finish it tickles everything i like about a video game it's got the role-playing game elements that i like it's got the whole map clearing which i like and it's kind of it's not pointless map clearing like there's a reason to do it um it's got a great story uh wonderful performance by actors and also just the animation and the whole world that got created for this series is just excellent and it's also very cynical which i like in the story as well and it's also one of the few games where i don't want to get into major spoilers but um games say things like oh the decisions you make will have consequences later and it's like oh yeah i guess that person was wearing a red shirt at the end that's that's cool uh, but there's stuff you do at the beginning that actually has a drastic consequence on how the story turns out and ends and stuff like that. Uh, but it's a great game. And it's also technically, I never had a problem with the gameplay, The combat could leave. If I had to say one thing wasn't perfect, it's probably the combat, but, um, even things like playing Gwent in taverns, uh, the look of the world is great. It's, it, it comes at that time, like Dragon Age Inquisition, which was also released around this era is another one of these where I don't think graphics were good enough to create perfect photorealism, but they were really good enough to give a kind of like a lot of the role-playing games at the time, it feels like had a almost like painterly style to it. And that Witcher 3 has, it has this kind of like when you're riding through woods, it almost feels like you're riding through a painting. It doesn't, it's not supposed to look like a painting. It's supposed to look real, but it has a kind of ab slightly abstract, but realistic look to it. That's a great. Tiny, and it's, almost like a, like a touch of watercolor to it. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. And the colors are very sort of like, I'm not going to say saturated, but like it's, it's, it, it feels like constantly fall in the first main area that you go through. And mm -hmm. then uh, um, the, the, Oh, it's also actually one of the things I'm going to give it credit for is usually in role-playing games, when you go to 
the city, you know, where you're going to buy stuff. It's like, oh, this is a crossroads with a few houses here and there. And, oh, there's, there's also something. Like, they're usually fairly small affairs, maybe nothing more than like a large town at best. But Novograd, the city in Witcher 3, perfect. It felt like I was in a city the whole time. Like It felt like its own distinct world kind of thing. But yeah, Witcher 3 is great. It's a beautiful looking game, plays great. Uh, you definitely get your money out of it if you're a value hunter when it comes to video games. Um, and it also has, uh, it doesn't, it was one of the last games, it seems, that didn't have the uh, games as a service, which we talked about on another uh, podcast, on a previous podcast. It has, um, it had two chunky DLCs that came out for it that were like meaty, that were like basically brand new. One was a brand new place altogether. The other one was a huge long story quest line. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a great game. And you can tell that the people behind it were putting their effort into it from start to finish. And it still stands up today. It's still like, even today, it's a great, it's a game that I can't put it down specifically to one detail. But it definitely took a step beyond a very good game and became art, in my opinion. It's probably the highlight of that kind of role-playing game sort of thing. From both the side quests were as good as the main quests. The world were interested. Characters were had, like, real emotional stories behind some of them. Um, yeah. And my one moment from that game that really sort of sums up the entire game for me is uh, you go to the smaller sort of town and you you're looking after you're trying to hunt down this woman and you find her and she basically says i hate the guy who sent you fuck you you know i'm gonna go do my own thing i'm gonna and she just leaves and you're just kind of standing there in this room and there's a cat on the table and gerald 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 Gerald. god i I haven't get that name wrong god i told games so gerald just kind of looks down at the cat cat looks at him and just starts cleaning himself and that's the end of the scene. And it was just kind of like, it, it, and the expression on his face, like it wasn't, there weren't super emotive faces, but Geralt is a very like, if you've seen the uh, Netflix series or anything like that, he's a very, not cynical. He's not fully cynical, but he's definitely like a, somewhere between a cynic, cynic and a realist, somewhere in there. And yeah, the game was just full of moments like that. These little sort of emotional touches that took it to a higher level than just simply being a great game. How, just quick, quick side question: um, How is the Witcher Netflix show? I, I like as a like you know very casual fan. Wh- wh- should I check it out? If the subject interests you, like if you're like, oh, you know what, I'd love to be in a fantasy world for eight, ten episodes or whatever it is, and I'd like to you know see kind of a story about magic and fighting monsters and. Uh, with, I, I don't want to say too much in case you do see it. If that that kind of thing tickles you, yes, it's worth definitely worth watching. It's I, like I like well the made. series. It's, it's well made. It's very well made, and it, you can tell it has a book. Okay, uh, all right. I'll, I'll, except I'm, for I'm when it comes for... to, won't say what the context is, but there's one monster in there that gets animated. It's not a shock. There's monsters. He's a monster hunter, so that's not really a big deal. But one monster man, when that thing came on, and people who've seen the series will know what I'm talking about. I just started laughing and said, that looks like it came from 1994. I No offense to people who do graphics. I couldn't do better 100%. But man, that one monster was just, ugh. Bit of a yikes. Ugh. Just like, oof, this is not, <laughs> you're not selling me on this. But uh, no, it's a great story. Uh, the acting is great. You can tell that Henry Cavill, I mean, I, if you've ever followed him, you know, he, uh, he's a video gamer and stuff like that. Like a PC oh, gamer yeah. as well. Oh yeah, big PC gamer. Yeah, Huge yeah, yeah. PC gamer. But you can tell he loved it. I think he had a lot to do with actually getting it off the ground. And uh, he really, like, you can tell he's into it. So, yeah. So, to sum up, my second favorite video game is the Netflix series The Witcher. 
Nice. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've played, um, I, I remember I got the game, uh, Witcher three off of my friend. I bought it off him. He's like, I don't know. I couldn't just guy just couldn't get into it. Do you want to buy it? I'm like, yeah, sure. I heard so many, you know, so many great things about it. And yeah, as like, I thought it was beautiful. I thought it was, you know, uh, you know, an expansive, well-made game. I probably played about 10 hours of it. I don't know. It just into that entire 10 hours. I like, I was having a fine time, but it like never got its hooks in me, I guess. I don't know. I don't know. I, I heard like if I pushed on a little bit farther, it, it might've is, do, do you think did that might've. Well, first question is, did you ever leave the first area? The first area, I think it's called like white Oak or something like that. I like, do you, think, do you remember? I think. Do, that did was you ever like, go to a castle and talk to him? Did you remember this long series where you're like, Oh, I'm man, now talking this to This is like emperor. four years ago. I don't remember specifics, but yeah, I don't know. So do you think so? Uh, I, I, I feels like you may not have gotten into the main quest cause there's sort of like almost a prologue section. That's actually fairly long where it's just, it's like a small area, but it introduces you to the mechanics of the game. Like you're basically going around a map to a question mark explaining what's going on here. Oh my God. Monsters. You know, it's the kind of game where I really like it. And if someone doesn't like it though, it, I try to have this attitude and I would have it for this where it's like, if you don't like this game, that's fine. It, it, I can I can see why some people wouldn't appeal to and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, no, it's it's a great game, and uh, I would say if you played five to ten hours of it and it hadn't sunk its hooks into you, there's no real value in going back into. It. I mean, that's a that's a long time to spend with a game. I bounced off many games much shorter time. I, I so, gave it a, I yeah. gave it a fair. I I did want to get like I want to give it a fair chance. Like CD Projekt Red. I mean, I have nothing but respect for that company. They are doing it better and more consumer friendly than like any hmm. other company out there, right? Well, you know, AAA company. Are they AAA? I mean, they're still indie, but they're putting out AAA quality. Oh, games. did they get bought by a publisher? You know what? That's a good question. I I feel like they're still relatively independent. Like I don't think. EA well, I'm sure they have investors and shit. I wouldn't yeah, be surprised. Yeah. No, yeah, yeah, but they, I don't think they got bought up by like EA or Epic. No, or no, no, no. Well, okay. Anyway, tri- AAA quality games. They're they're like as far as like you know putting out tri- like I'm so excited for for um for uh what is it uh Cyberpunk. So excited for Cyberpunk. That's gonna be a day one purchase for sure. I don't mm-hmm. care. I'll I'll pre-order that. I know I I know I'm kind of uh fuck a pre-order, but there's there's some games that I'll pre-order, and that well, that, that one will be one. Red uh, CD Projekt Red, like I've played all three of the Witcher games and they got better with each one. The first one was clunky but good. The second one was good. The third one took anything that was good from the second one and then expanded even further. Uh, but yeah, no, they've got a lot of uh, credit with me, so I'll definitely yeah. be buying first day. Maybe even pre-order if there's something really good in the pre-order, but it has to be like a really good thing, not just like, oh look, your car can look like it's got a leopard skin print. Ooh, that idea is copyright so Sam though. Hall 2020. Uh, any game company uses that has a car with leopard skin print in it. You will be hearing from my lawyers. I'm gonna hit you with my second game. Is that cool? I love it. Best segues. On Please don't that. actually hit me with the game though. That sounds like it could hurt. From downtown. So second game. Um, earlier we talked about. You know, well, I, I I talked about is like eliciting emotions the game um again this is kind of like a bite-sized game it's only really what two hours long but the game journey in that short two hours you literally experience every single like human emotion well at least i did i can't say for every single person playing the game did did you get aroused by the game most human emotions fair fair 
so <laughs> that's actually, I mean, that's a good point. I've, I've never thought of that before. I mean, maybe those <laughs> sand, sand was pretty damn sexy. What can I say? So journey Gets is pretty... everywhere. I hate it. <laughs> it's, it's coarse. Um, <laughs> so uh, journey is essentially a game. Um, you start off and it's uh, again, I don't know. I guess I have a thing for short cell shaded games with really good music. So sue me the, uh, so yeah, so it's like very pretty. It's like cell shaded. Uh, definitely kind of reminds me of like a washed out wind waker kind of vibe to it. Um, Legend of Zelda wind waker with that kind of like cell shaded animation very nice colors uh and the game pretty much just starts off and you're the character you're just like a robed figure and you're in the middle of the desert done that's it like go and the only thing that's guiding you you look around there's just like sand swirling everywhere and you just see kind of in the distance like a mountain with a light shining into it so you're like okay i guess i walk towards that mountain so i mean right away you're feeling curious so you start walking and um, I remember all of a sudden you kind of come to this hub area and then you start, you know, the main mission. Like you kind of start the main game. It's all very seamless. And I remember there's all of a sudden just this other kind of character that looked like me. And I was kind of like, what, what, what the hell is who, who is this? So I like run up to them and I'm, they're kind of jumping around. I'm kind of jumping around. The only kind of function you have to uh, communicate is like a chirp almost. It's kind of like a little tweet, like a little tweet, like a little chirp. And, um, yeah, so I'm like chirping, they're chirping and I'm like, is this an NPC? Like, what is this? I'm like, I didn't, I didn't match make. And then all of a sudden I'm like, oh, like, and this was, you know, a while back, like obviously, you know, multiplayer games have existed before this, but it wasn't, I mean, it wasn't new, but it was still kind of like, I don't know how many kind of games had this where you could just kind of seamlessly jump in with people and play together. So it, it took me a second to realize that, oh shit, this is, you know, this is another person. So with that knowledge, off we went. And, you know, you just go on this as it's called. You go on this journey. And, like, you just experience every emotion. Like, from, you know, the beginning of the game, you're very curious about the whole thing to, like, there's a kind of level where you're, like, sand surfing down a mountain, like a, like a sand dune. And, like, the music is, like, very upbeat. It's very exhilarating. And, like, you just, you're just going and it's, like, you know, you're just on top of the world. The music is just pulsing and you're just, you're just feeling this exhilaration, this, this rush. And, you know, later in the game, there's this kind of, um, it's almost like an underwater water area. That's like, you know, very, uh, it's, you know, it's scary for, to, you know, to, to be quite honest, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's a little spooky down there. So there's like, there's like monsters lurking around trying to get you. Um, the music's very ominous. Then it kind of like goes into, you know, platforming parts inside of, um, inside of kind of like a abandoned castle type thing. And you get those sweaty palms from platforming. And then kind of at the end, like there's like, I'm skipping a whole bunch here. I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to ruin too, too much, but there's kind of a part where you're just like going up You're and the whole time you're going towards this mountain with the light, that, that mountain in the light is always in the distance. Like for the most part, for the, for pretty much the entire game, you can see that mountain in the distance with the light and you get to this part where it's still, it's, it's always sand, but it's almost like the sand has has different uh properties to it so there's like an underwater kind of sand and then near the end of the game it's like you're just trudging through this like almost this snow-like sand and you're just trudging through it and it's like you just feel hopeless and your character is just drained and you can just feel 
every single step that your character is going through is just like, it's just so arduous. It's just the most arduous thing. It's just like one step and then the other. And like everything is just going into that. It's like the music. You can feel, you can hear the sound effects of like the wind howling with like the, the snowy, the snowy sand like beating down on you. And your character is just struggling, struggling to take that other step. And then finally, you know, things happen, there's joyous, and then, like, at the end of the game, you're just, you know, kind of flying through, and it's just very, um, you're flying in the air, it's very exhilarating, it's very exciting, um, you're kind of almost, like, let loose, you're let free, and you're just flying through the air, and it's absolutely, um, such a great payoff, um, it's just, it's just such a, uh, complete, fun little game um it's just a little journey you know what i mean like the, the the name says it all and um you know that that game company that put it out that's what they're called that game company they have put out uh you know a few games and um yeah i've i've liked all of them and that's that's definitely you know on par uh, it's par for the course well it's funny that you should bring up journey as your second game because i'm seeing a theme here where our second choices is a game that the other person has played but didn't finish I like Journey. It was fun, but I maybe got... I definitely didn't see any underwater or snow sand parts, so... I don't know what it was. I just couldn't... Like, I liked the game. It looked great, but I just could never... It's like an hour and a half long, bro. Yeah, man. Well, I got other things to do with that 45 minutes. I, I don't know what it was. It was like... I liked the game. I think I, under, I totally understand you choosing it as your second choice, but I just found, for me, I was like... I think I got bored with it. It was like, oh, my cape's are really long now, and I'm jumping really high. Yeah, that's that's the whole point of the game too is like making your cape longer. And then finally, if you like get all the secrets, your cape becomes white. It's a Does that mean I can cape. just jump as much as I want at that point? Um, I think you have like a super extended one, but uh a- another cool thing about the game actually, this is like a side thing. So, as I said, there's um, you know, you stumble upon other people in the game. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I've played the game probably, I don't know, at least 20 times. Like, the, I remember maybe on my second or third playthrough. So my first playthrough, whatever, it was like very, you know, visceral. It's like your first time. Yeah, yeah and 100%. Then, yeah, so like you're experiencing it's all new. Second time or whatever. Um, so all of a sudden I'm playing with this, uh, they're called White Cloaks. And so I was playing with a White Cloak. And then what was so fucking cool was that this white cloak now so this this is clearly you know this person has mastered the game they've you know i mean to you know it, it's a very passive game so saying mastering the game is is a little bit um a little bit over the top but you know they, they know all the secrets well i mean through the white cloak they've gone all the way through the game right well they've gone all through the game multiple times gotten all the secrets gotten all the right. blah 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 etc etc so this person then um in turn took me around and showed me all the secrets. They showed me all the cool little Easter eggs. They showed me all the hidden little collectible things. They showed me, um, there's like a reference to um, the, their first game. Um, I, I just can't remember. It just slips my mind. Flower. At the moment. I think it was uh, No, it was, it was before Flower. It was before oh, really? Flower. Oh, okay. Flower's- yeah, Fla- Flower is an excellent game, though. If, if you like to smoke weed and you want to play something chill, Fla- Flower is where it's at. Was the game the one where you start out as like a single cell yes. thing and you keep eating things to get bigger and you keep yes. going further down so the blue gets yeah oh what was that game called oh, I'm gonna Google it um, yeah. so anyway so so they, they so so they took me around and they showed me all these different things and 
there's just an Easter egg that in one of the parts, um, there's this like very uh, kind of uh, hilly, like sand duny area. There's just a ton of sand dunes everywhere. And then hidden in that is like this like crazy lotus. And they took me to this like crazy lotus. And then like you can like stamp an outline in the sand. So they stamped. Sorry, I just like hit my mic doing the stamping motion. It's very important. Strongly visual medium. Oh, for sure. I've been doing hand motions this whole time. Nobody. Oh yeah, I did air quotes earlier. Um. So they stamped like a heart around the flower, and like, if you want to talk about feelings, like that was when I was like. Game, like this video game has almost like it's transcended verbal communication. You know what I mean? It's like this person is doing this for no other reason other than like they've already gotten all the things. They're a white cloak. They're taking me around and they're showing me all these things for no other reason than just for the joy of the game. You know what I did, mean? Did did they slide into your DMs after that? Like, or did she? Uh, do... No, what? and I wish, and I found it, like, afterwards, it shows you the people you played with, and I missed it, and then I realized later, this is long down the line, that you can see who you played with, because on PS3, there's, like, a um, a list of, like, people you've recently played with, but, like, it kind of, like, overwrites itself the last, like, I don't yeah. know, 20 people you've played with, so I was like, oh, I could have figured it out, and, like, sent them a message. Anyway, so I thought that was super, super fucking cool, like, that really just, like, got to me like on, yeah. on like an emotional level and then like you know i beat the game with them and it was it was it was tons of fun so i in turn having them did do that to me i you know played the game a bunch got my white cloak did the very same thing i took people around i showed them all the things and it's funny too you can see too when you're a white cloak you can see people they like see you and they're like oh my god who's this like people think it's like a bad guy at first or whatever like they think it's an enemy mm-hmm. or like they think it's like an npc and they like try to talk to you and they think because you see it right at you see the uh, other person right at the beginning so it's almost like um you think oh this person you know you're used to video games where like you're going to talk to this person they're gonna be like oh you need to get to the mountain oh that you know that like, delivers some exposit uh, expository story like like expo- uh, expire story at you, but um, I don't even think that's grammatically correct. Expire story at you, um, uh, expository, exposit story at you. I have no idea. No, they're trying to be expository, which is yeah. to hey, here's this. I'm telling you the story. I, okay. Dude. Anyways, we'll edit this part. Go no, on. No, it's it. Oh, we're keeping it. Love it. Hell yeah, dude. So yeah, so. Long story short, like what, what I talked about at the beginning is is um the the emotion of a game and, and this game probably more than the other two, honestly. Like like the like Sinar Wild Hearts, like it made me feel a lot like made me feel happy, you know, it, it got it got Don't me excited. What your number one pick is. Oh, I won't. I won't. But like like this game from like what I talked about from like a moment to moment gameplay, this game made me feel pretty much the whole time. Like that whole hour and a half, that whole two hours or whatever. It's um it, it it's really something special in my opinion. I, I and and only game it's uh the soundtrack was nominated for a Grammy, only video game ever to be nominated for a Grammy. So that's something. Was it also nominated for an Emmy, and a Tony, and an Oscar? Uh, just a daytime Emmy, but um, it lost uh, out to All My Children. Yeah, well, that year, I mean, I remember around that time, All My Children just had a strong run of stories for like three or four years around when that came out. So I get it. Was, that. It was killer. It was killer. No, it was so good. Hit me with your bomb number one my number fanfare. one my number one fanfare is like a trumpet going but i mean you know like maracas also dude I, I took a sip of coke as soon as you said that and like i almost just spit it all over my mic so thank you for that 
Oh, God, that would have been expensive. Funny, but expensive. Uh, my number one game is actually, again, a sequel. Uh, it's Mass Effect 2. I am a passionate lover of the Mass Effect series, and EA, if you're listening and you you want to send me some cash back, I literally spent over $1,000 on that series, buying it on cross various platforms. Well, maybe not 1000 but a lot. Like, buying all the DLC, buying all the stuff for, like, I, I'm... It's ridiculous. And the worst part is, is they may be releasing the HD remaster at some point. Well, they are. It's, it's already announced. Was it announced? I thought it was sort of like, yeah, it looks like it could be happening. Well, I mean, they announced it. I don't know how much they, you know. But I do remember them releasing like a video or a statement saying, yes, we are now working on this. So until I see that with EA and Bioware, I'm going to wait. Mass Effect 2, though, is probably the game I've replayed the most, if you don't count like strategy games like Civilization stuff where you're just doing a new civilization every time. Its story is great. Its look is great. The art design is fantastic. The gameplay is probably the weakest part of the thing, but even that's not really a huge issue. It's just sort of, I think if the only quibble I have with the entire game is the fact that you just kind of go into cover. You don't have like in uh, like Division 2, for example. Where you like any, stick to it, kind of. Yeah, like you don't press to go into cover, press to go out. You just kind of go in and... Also, if you have to climb something, you have to go into cover and then do a climb over, which is always a little weird. And but this game, it starts great. starts with a great little introductory mission that uh, sort of, if you've played the first game and you're coming in, you're like, okay, this is cool. And if you haven't played the first game, it's got enough, like, what the fuck's going on? That it sort of hooks you. Uh, the performances are great across the board. Yeah, no, Mass Effect 2 is a wonderful game that i like i said i've replayed probably i know people have played it more but i've definitely replayed that game like six or seven times and that's a 30 hour game with emotional story beats being a major part of it so it's not like i'm playing discovering something brand new every time i mean i might say oh i didn't talk to this guy one time i missed this guy but and it's a great game and it's a the basic gist of the game is you're trying to save the galaxy from a threat and you're collecting a team of uh, various humans and aliens to go with you who have different skill sets and stuff like that. And collecting each one of them is great. Uh, and then each one also has a loyalty mission where you kind of go and you have to, you end up making some kind of decisions often about like how the events of the story turn out, like whether you're a good guy or a bad guy. And by good guy or bad guy, you're a good guy, but like whether you're, I'm going to help everybody and be nice, or I'm going to be a bit of a jerk and whatever. But yeah, Mass Effect 2 is a game that fires on all cylinders, and my moment from that game is weirdly one without dialogue or any characters. Is it, is, is it the, the shooting one? Shooting one? Oh, you've, you've told me about that before. What's, what's, what's your alien buddy's name? Oh, no, that's actually Mass Effect 3. Uh, okay, that, okay, okay, okay. Give, give, give me your Mass Effect 2 one, and then give me the, give, tell that Mass Effect 3 one, because I think that's sure. super cool. Okay, so the Mass Effect 2 one is, there's a side mission where you get, uh, you basically spend a lot of time scanning planets looking for resources for the most part, but every once in a while a planet will have a, hey, do you want to land here? There's a, there's a little side thing to do that you didn't know until you scanned the place. And one of them has you, you land and they're like, oh shit, we found this tracking signal, this ship called the STV, I want to say Esteban, but I might have the, I think the name's wrong, doesn't matter. And it's one of the first ships that the Alliance ever created or something like that. And you go down and all it is, is this, it's like the skeleton of a ship. It's like all the plating's been removed and it's just the skeleton of the ship like teetering on the edge of a cliff. And all you do is you just go through, shoot some stuff down so that it creates like new pathways for you to basically get to the front of the ship, turn off the beacon, and then you get the fuck out of there. Because what happens is the ship, as you further get uh, go along, 
sort of starts rocking a bit. Like at first it doesn't move. By the time you get a nose, it's like going up in the air and then really down in the air. And you're, it's going to slide off at some point. You just, you eventually get off without it sliding. And there's no chance of you accidentally still being on when it falls off. It's huh. the slide off is triggered by a thing. But what it is, is it's, it's the, this game is full of so many little missions and stories and moments that were, you could tell were lovingly created and were different than what you had seen before. Some of them use tropes and ideas, like uh, there's one with a rogue AI doing stuff. Uh, there's things like that. There's a lot, There are a lot of science fiction tropes, because this game, the Mass Effect series, is basically a combination of Star Trek and Star Wars. If the two had series had a baby, it would be Mass Effect. Um, yeah, so Mass Effect 2 is great. Uh, the moment in Mass Effect 3, I'm kind of cheating bringing up this other uh, game, but I love the whole trilogy. In a way, what I'd almost say is the trilogy is the true art. Except for the fact that Mass Effect 1 is a clunky game with some issues. If we ever do an episode about games that almost made it to art, that one will definitely be on my list because it's almost there, but it's got like two or three things that hold it back. Anyways, so there's a moment in Mass Effect 3 where this whole time you've had this uh, Turian, an alien race of kind of lizard cat people, uh, this Turian named Garrus Vakarian who's been with you the whole time, so it's the first one. Like You meet him super early in the first game. He's just always been your buddy throughout. And so the two of you are out on top of this uh, sky bridge in the Citadel's uh, Presidium. That's where Presidium, where the rich in the United Nations and that kind of thing is, uh, are. And basically, what happens is you're having a shooting contest with him. And so he throws a like a can into the air, and you don't have to use skill. It literally says, "Shoot the can, don't shoot the can." And if you don't shoot the can, what happens is. Garrus becomes super happy and he's like, Yes, I find because he then shoots the can and he's like, Yes, this is where I outshot Commander Shepard, your character, that's who you are. This is like he's like, they're gonna put a plaque here, this is amazing. And you can tell he's really happy. And something about the entire Mass Effect franchise leading up to that moment, whether I'm doing a good playthrough or a bad playthrough, I always let him get that shot because you come away from these games, this trilogy with such a connection to the characters, and I would say of the three, Mass Effect 2, my choice for the game that is basically art. Um, no, which is art, actually, is the characters in there and the, the story beats and all that kind of stuff in that second game echoes through the third game as well, but they also build on what you did in the first game, and it's just, it's 30 hours or so of just, like, excellent, excellent uh, gameplay, firing on all cylinders, and also it's DLC, is, both DLC are fantastic, so... Uh, yeah, I would say Mass Effect 2 is probably the game that I right now would consider to be the closest to art. And it's a game when somebody plays it and they're like, I didn't care for it. I actually, you know, most games are like, okay, you know, games are fair. But that's when I'm like, really? Why did, what didn't you like about it? It's fantastic. So yeah, Mass Effect 2, my choice for, I mean, I don't think we're really ranking these, but it is definitely my favorite game and also the game that I consider just to be great art for what it is. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've always really wanted to play the series, but I mean, you like, still I've, have my disc, don't you? Yes. <laughs> Go on. Moving on. But wait, don't I have it? What do I have it for? Do I have it for no PS3? Was it on PS3? Uh, it definitely was on PS3. Um, that's a good question. It might it might be for, well put it into the PS4 and see what happens. <laughs> yeah, fair. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I just never, I just never got into the series. I know a lot of people, like who love games, they love that series. You know, it's 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 an iconic series, and I don't know. I I guess. Have I don't, you ever played a game? 
<laughs> no, not for one millisecond. I, I know you've um, said, like, I could skip Mass Effect 1. It's a bit dodgy, like you were just kind of saying. Yes, but if you plan to go experience the whole trilogy, Mass Effect 1 you should play, not just... Because you can do a thing at the well, start yeah, of Mass Effect 2 where you make the big choices, but it's a game where there's, like, even the smallest choices reverberations all the way through. So. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's like, if, if I'm going to play the game... If I'm going to play Mass Effect 2, like, I got to play Mass Effect 1, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So, like, it's just... And then I just know... Like, I don't know, it just seems so daunting at this point, I guess, where I'm looking at these, like, three games that are just, you know, probably 30, 40 hours long each. And I'm thinking, like, do... Do I want to put in that much time? I don't know. I, I probably should, but I also got to find a way to play them too. I guess I don't know. As I, I think you let me, you let me. They're something. available on Steam. Um, oh, are they? Yeah. Basically, what happened was well, I mean, the same way that like uh, Ubisoft is available on Steam, you buy it on Steam, and then the Origin launcher kicks in. So I would definitely. say you know try at least Mass Effect One, and if you can get back, I will say one thing that is a detriment to it is. The gameplay is a little clunky in the first one, and it's got one or two things that are really kind of like, you're going to need to have a laptop open uh, when you go explore planets, because what you do is instead of like just scanning the planet from where you actually land in like this area that's about, I'd say like two by two kilometers, maybe a kilometer by a kilometer, you're driving around in this little sort of uh, thing called the Mako, which is uh, like a six-wheel drive space truck and it doesn't handle the best and the design of some of the maps are so i don't know the long story short that's the weakest part so what you want to do is have a map up on like a website says oh here's where everything is on the map you just make waypoints you just go through them instead of like exploring trying to find things bit of bit of of a sidebar there yeah do you have anything else to say about mass effect not really uh i love the game um it's a game that i can play at any time and there are certain choices that I will always make the same. So yeah, the Mass Effect series is great. And Mass Effect 2 was where the game reached its apex. And that's not to heavily shit upon Mass Effect or Mass Effect 3, even with the controversial ending. The truth is, by the time you get to the controversial ending, it's, yeah, there's there's ways you'd like the ending itself to play out, but you've had your final moments with your crew. Because like, it's, it's funny, it's not, there is a, a threat throughout the whole trilogy, but I find with that game, it's really more about you and your companions that you recruit along the way in all of the series and all the people that you've dealt with in the past. And by the time that you're making the big three choices decision that was so controversial at the time, you've already basically said goodbye to people in various different ways. So I, I didn't mind the ending. I didn't think it was great, but I didn't think it was as bad as everyone said. But uh, I was also kind of at that point, though, I was like, OK, you know, I've gotten what I want out of this. I'm just wrapping up the storyline. OK, I chose this. Oh, so that's how it ended. Neat. But uh, what about you? What is your first game? Well, for me, um, it's really a game that kind of to to put to put it like this game was a game changer for me. Um, I remember I got my PlayStation One back in the day, and with it, I remember well, like I don't know, I was playing like Tony Hawk and shit, and Great um, game. yeah, yeah. I remember I was playing like Grand Theft Auto Three, and like all these games were super cool. I really like them. I I was in grade, I believe I was in grade eight at this time or maybe grade nine, something like that. So either just about to go into high school or whatever, or just in high school. And I remember I saw this game like in like a magazine or something like Metal Gear Solid. And it, like, it looked really fucking cool. Like all, I just kind of like saw this guy and I saw like a big robot and I'm like, Oh, okay, cool. I think this is like big robots, like fighting each other. Like this sounds pretty rad. So I remember when I had like, 
some like EB gift certificate certificates or something that I had like for my birthday or, or like Christmas or some shit. And I remember shelled out the money, picked up that two disc Metal Gear Solid two. I remember, oh, it, that's right, it was at Christmas because um, I was spending Christmas with my family in Florida, and I remember I bought the game in Florida. And I remember being like, ooh, like, I want to play this so badly. I want to play this so badly. So I remember, like, I, like, I had some friends. Like, my grandparents uh, spent this, the winters in Florida, so we'd go visit them, like, at Christmas and stuff. So they mm-hmm. had, you know, it was like a full neighborhood. So we, like, we, we knew the kids in the neighborhood and stuff. So I remember one of the kids there had um, a, had a PlayStation. So I got, you know, got Metal Gear Solid 2, brought it over to his house. I'm like, can we, you know, can we play this game? He's like, hell yeah, dude, slap that shit in. That's, that's a direct quote, I'm sure. Foul language, how old were you at the time? I don't know, I was like 14. This kid was younger though. Oh, okay. I was like 13, 14. So I slap it in and like... It breaks. I, 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 I would cry. Um, so I like, I didn't know what I was expecting. I was expecting like the classic like startup, like, oh, like some like metal music and I don't know, some robots fighting each other or something and then like a character select screen. I don't know. I'm expecting a regular old game. I played, you know, I'm, I've, I've played lots of games by this time, but all of a sudden this thing starts up and it's like got opera music and it has like a like a title credit sequence of like this guy scuba diving like he's like leaving a ship and he's scuba diving and then you see all these voice actors and i'm like i had never seen this before to me like to me a video game was a video game a movie was a movie and then i saw this where it's like this game had like a title sequence as i said it had it had like very like operatic music almost like classical music and it just starts off and i'm like wait what is this game i had no idea and then it starts off and the iconic you're in that you know this beautiful little self-contained um little level where you're like in a warehouse like you're uh, your solid snake he swims up to a little warehouse and then you're in this little kind of warehouse thing that is just like a perfect like vertical slice of the whole game like you have like three enemies there all you got to do is get into an elevator but it's just like perfect like vertical slice almost like sample level of like the whole game kind of like almost all the mechanics that they have to offer you can kind Mm -hmm. of experience in this first little level and I just remember being like, what the hell is this? So like, you know, you run out and you see a guy and you're like, okay, let me fight this guy. And you just get destroyed. And you're like, hold on, where's my gun? You don't have a gun. Like, you know what I mean? Like you got to find a gun. So then you're like, oh, okay. Like I got to start sneaking around, start sneaking around, whatever. And it's like, that's when I kind of like, and then as you progress through the game, there's like voice acting, there's cut scenes. And I'm just, I was like completely blown away by this whole this whole process now me, sorry can i just uh one clarification yeah, you are talking absolutely. about the first one right like metal gear solid not, or metal this solid this is where it gets convoluted it, this is metal gear solid the first of the metal gear solid games so there was originally metal gear and then metal gear um there's metal gear 2 and then there's also uh metal gear snakes revenge i believe which is just some american made game that has nothing to do with the rest of the franchise but they like license the name i don't know it's convoluted so there's metal gear 1 metal gear 2 and then this is metal gear solid is essentially i I believe it's essentially a retelling of metal gear solid 2 wait sorry metal gear solid is sorry sorry of metal of metal gear 2 sorry okay that makes more sense or was it it was pretty much like a beat for beat retelling of one sorry is this one that starts where you go on a tanker that's the only one i played 
No, that's Metal Gear 2. Metal Gear Solid 2. Metal Gear Solid 2, sorry. Okay, my sorry, apologies. continue. Metal continue. Gear Solid 2 doesn't start on... Yeah, it starts on the uh, tanker, and then you get... Then the, then you get uh, put on the um, the like the water treatment like all the different um, the shells like it's like a water treatment facility or whatever. Anyway, so yeah, so this was for the PlayStation One. This was the Metal Gear Solid Two first first one of like you know it's essentially the first one, but there were technically two before on the uh, on the NES in America, but in Japan it was on like a disc drive and etc. Anyway. Right. So, like, as this game progressed, there'd just be, like, little, like, I, I was just blown away, as I said, like, like, the character development of, of these, of these characters, like, as you go through, like, I mean, it's, it's a little bit comical, it's, like, you know, kind of, like, a throwback to a lot of, like, different action movies and stuff like that, but, like, all the characters, like, all the bosses, like, go through their own arc, there's twists and turns all the way through, like, the storytelling is, is excellent, I mean, there's a bit of backtracking here and there that they kind of artificially inflate the, uh, playtime of the game, but, like overall, it's just it's just a beautiful game with some like beautiful moments. Like anytime you like almost feel bad about killing the bosses because it's kind of like every time you kill a boss, like you've already like gotten to know them. Like they do a really, really good job of like fleshing out all the bosses. Like you're fighting this boss for this reason, you know their backstory, and like when you kill them, like you're like, I triumphed over you. You understand why I triumphed over you. But, like, I'm still, you know, I'm still upset about it. Mm-hmm. And, like, that's a true testament to a game. But then, 100%. like, so, so like, as far as that, like, as far as, like, just, you know, visual, like, the music, the storytelling, like, everything is top-notch. It just evokes such emotion um, as, you're, as you're going through the game. Like, just, like, different moments when, you know, certain characters die or um like like they move on it's just it, it just really really elicit elicited an emotion for me like especially at that time where i was just like again i came from you know playing mario and whatever i had a super nintendo played my friends n64s and stuff so like not to say that like i didn't experience kind of like narrative games like especially like in rpgs and stuff but this was just on a whole nother level where like Kojima, the director of the Metal Gear series, he, he like he he treated it like a movie, and like he had sh- like you know like you know you can tell this like there was cinematography to these shots. It wasn't just like boom like static two shot of two characters talking. There'd be like camera moves. There'd be you know um, dynamic lighting. There'd be um, you know there'd just be certain things where it's like this is a fucking movie. Um, and then even from the gameplay, there'd just be like crazy ass shit where, like you know. I remember where you have to contact this character Meryl in the game and you, you, you need to, you're just like, okay, I got to contact this girl, blah, blah, blah. And you're just thinking like, you know, like it just like the only clue to contacting her is like her, her number is on the back of the CD case. And I'm like, what? I don't have a CD case in my inventory. So I'm just like looking around, like what the fuck? Like looking around the whole game for a CD case. I'm like, where's this fucking CD case? I'm just like getting frustrated. I'm sitting there. I remember looking at my at my floor and there's the disc case of the game. And it's just like, oh, there's a picture of Meryl. Her name, you know, you're looking for Meryl's number. I'm like, oh, there's a picture of Meryl. Oh, it has her codec number underneath it. Oh, back of the CD case. So it's like <laughs> they like actually want you to like, you know, look at the back of the CD case for the thing. And I was like, wow. Um, and just like other things where you had to like, like you're fighting this psychic uh, uh, psychomantis, and um, 
he's he can like he's a psychic so he can read all your moves so you're like what the fuck how do i beat this guy like you're trying to beat him trying to beat him like how do i how do i like this guy can read all my moves like you have to physically take your controller out of controller port one and put it into controller port two so he can't read your moves and it was just like wow was, was just, there a clue to that was there does he say something or is it just eventually like eventually if you don't get it they'll eventually like the colonel will be like take the control out of controller part port one and put it in controller port two like they will spell it out for you eventually but like there's like at first there's like absolutely no hint and there actually is another way around it there's these like busts around the room that if you like break all the busts then for some reason he can't read your um motion anymore so there is a bit of a tell like they they like feed it to you slowly i'm sure it probably took me longer than it should have <laughs> um but yeah there is like you know, they, they are, like, hinting at it and kind of, like, walking you towards it, for sure, for sure. Right, right. Um, yeah, and it's just, like, like the ending of the game is is just fantastic. Um, the As I said, like, the characters, the, there's so many characters that reappear throughout the whole game, like, the whole game series. Um, I just think, to me, like, that game is, like, really um, high art. Like, that is, like, when you look at, you know... Um, geniuses when it comes to music whether it be you know um whatever michael jackson or you know kanye west or something we've talked about that on the other podcast whether you hate him you love him whatever there's like geniuses you know um whatever like yeah for sure um all hail president kanye but uh yeah like as far as like geniuses like in any field whether it be like music like you know filmmaking you know directing like a like a christopher nolan or like i don't know like you know just masters of of um the craft at, at like a, at a high level like that that to me that's kojima like kojima to me the the director of metal gear and he's directed um all the subsequent metal gears other than um the metal gear survive or whatever the fuck it's called which is not a metal gear game um he's just he looks at games as a director like he's he is a director from from the top down like he is in control like his footprint his dna is over every single game and like i respect that dude so much i haven't had a chance to play uh death stranding yet um i was waiting for it to come on pc and it is on pc now i still haven't played it i don't know what i'm doing with my life but like that's that like i gotta i i gotta see what this guy's done next um i i really really love the dude i my only experience with him is uh the one that came out phantom pain i mean and i guess whatever the little demo of that was called um i liked that game i'm gonna say though there are times when i found he was a little like are you just being weird for the sake of being weird what oh for sure what's going on here um, but I think it's we can so all agree it had the best voice for Solid for Snake in that one. Fuck you. Anytime, anytime Keith Sutherland, anytime Keith Kiefer Sutherland, there we go, was talking as Snake, I'd be like, oh, who's talking right now? Oh, it's Snake. And like the shittiest thing about that is fucking David Hader, the old voice of Solid Snake, found out that he wasn't like he had voiced Solid Snake for like like two decades or something like that like the better part of two decades mm. and like he found out that he wasn't voicing solid snake on twitter when they announced that uh Kiefer sutherland was the new voice of solid snake like that's really shitty like i don't know whose decision that was like i don't know if that was like an executive decision like we got to get like a big name star on this but like man that's did, really shitty did you finish phantom pain 
No, I didn't. I I could not bring myself to. I was bored to tears with it. I, it's spoiler. Are we allowed to talk spoilers about that game? Spoilers for Metal Gear Solid Phantom Pains. Yes. Are you cool with that? Yeah. No. I, that that was my that was my spoiler. Oh, that was your interest. Okay. Yeah. Um. Yes. Sorry, now sorry. now give, give it a second. Okay. All right. If you're still listening, I'm about to spoil the Phantom Pain. Um. So it turns out in the game, the guy, the snake you're playing isn't Snake. It's, you're not Snake. It's like some other guy that's had his mind fucked with or something. I haven't finished the game, so I don't know, but I knew, I remember reading about this. And I was always curious whether he has Kiefer Sutherland's voice because he's not Snake, and then real Snake would have David Hayter's voice in the game. Or did or is David Hayter just completely not in the game? I, I if you haven't finished, I guess you don't know the answer. But I was always curious. About I that. don't think he's in the game. It was a bit of a slog. If if I'm wrong, then I apologize. No, don't apologize. I apologize to everyone. No, I, I, I like that game, but it definitely by the time you got to the African section, it was like, ooh, yeah, yeah. It was a lot of just <laughs> like, hey, infiltrate this base, and then take a guy or like a Fulton, a guy out or like, was that what it's called? Fulton, 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 Fulton system. Fulton? Yeah. Fulton, I think it was yeah. Fulton system. I, yeah. I got to admit, actually, I, I kind of like that one. The, oh, the Fulton system. I was like, this is, this is cute. That was one thing that was really fucking cool about the game was that was just the sandbox of it. Mm-hmm. Such a good sandbox. Like being able to just do your own loadout, whatever you want. I love to just calling in, um, like a supply drop, but like to kill a guy, you're like, eh, I'm going to just like get like 10 ammo to like kill this guy yeah. uh, or whatever. Just like do like a small drop and then like it just falls on a guy and squishes them. Or I remember you can like take your horse and like make your horse shit in the middle of the road. And then like when an enemy convoy comes by, they like hit the shit and like spin out and stuff like that. Like I just remember, there's just like a lot of fun, fun things mm-hmm. with the game. Um, and it was super fun to fuck around. But like the whole storyline of the game, it was literally just like... 85% of the game was infiltrate this base and then like find this piece of paper or like talk to this guy or like Fulton, Fulton this guy out. And also another thing that really irked me about that game was say you're got to sneak into this big, huge compound. So it's like this big, huge compound. You spend like, you know, five minutes scoping it out, learning the routes, marketing everybody. Then you like slowly crawl your way through, make your way in. Then you're finally like, okay, I'm in the base. I'm like crawling around. Okay, I got some supplies. I like found like, you know, the hidden cassette tape so I can have more music when I'm fucking playing the game and whatever. And then it's like you spend, I don't know, 20 minutes, half an hour going through the level to just get spotted by some guy on the edge of the map who fucking like spots you, the whole base is on you. You get destroyed in like two seconds Mm -hmm. and then it's like, cool, I got to do that again. And like, I just lost, you know, half an hour of my playtime. You do two of those, you fail twice. I just spent an hour playing a game and I've done nothing. You know what I mean? I I will admit that by the end of that, my playthrough of that, it was, I liked the mechanics and I liked the sneaking of it, but it definitely felt like at times it was like, a little too punishing if you made a slight mistake. And also, again, the the weirdness of it was just like, I like weird stuff. I'm actually currently watching the, uh, rewatching the new Twin Peaks series, and it's great. It's David Lynch at his most Lynchian. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, I found the story of that to be, huh? Like, constantly going, what? Yeah, you're, what? don't worry. It's not just. And me. is, are all of them like that, or was that one particularly like. Okay, yeah. So the thing about that, it's like you got thrown headfirst into the Kojima 
clusterfuck, ridiculous, over-the-top, convoluted story that is Metal Gear. Like, it started off, like, pretty simple, air quotes. It wasn't, like, absolutely, like, convoluted. But then, like, as each game progressed, it's like they just kept, like, getting exponentially more ridiculous. And, like, I'm along for the ride. Like, I'm not going to lie to you. I, they're absolutely ridiculous. They're absolutely convoluted. But, like, I'm along I'm along for the ride. But, like, even number five, I was like, okay, what is going on right now? Like, is I'm, number five the one, Phantom Pain, or is that the one before? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the one you played. That's the one you okay. played. But, like, even number four. Like, no, number four is a great game. They're They're all great games in their own right. As far as, like, video games, like, actual video game and like video like gameplay whatever you want to call it like the actual mechanics of it the best one by far is number three but like they all have their like own merits like number one is is my favorite number two is a very weird quirky masterpiece number three is like just excellent in every respect the most fun game four is kind of like almost kind of like not like a retrospective but it's like a lot of like fan service it's like oh everybody always wanted us to do this so we're gonna do it and hey, then, remember this guy here he is yeah yeah it's like oh you wanted these two guys to fight it was like the it was like fan fiction the game it's like oh you always wanted these two guys to be friends or like you always wanted these two guys to fight or like mm-hmm. yeah so it's kind of like fan service the game and then five was just kind of like let's throw it all out the window and just make this like kind of like ridiculous thing. Again, I haven't finished it, so it could tie it all together. I don't know. Well, five takes place before the series. Am I right about that? I remember that is correct. I'm playing. Yeah. I was like, okay, so these people aren't like, I, I, I don't know. Yeah, no, I like the game. Actually, I'm going to say something we should do on another podcast and episode on is that game suffered from something that I found annoying game bloat, where it just feels like you're stretching this out. But to circle yeah. back around, Metal Gear Solid, the first Metal Gear Solid, is your number one game, right? I just want to make sure I have that right in my head. Yeah, yeah. That that as as far as like art, like an artistic achievement, as far and I think it's really, I mean, obviously, I'm not gonna like, sh- you know, discredit anybody who worked on that game. I'm sure everybody worked hard, but it's just like, as like an auteur, I would say like like Kojima has his like imprint all over that game so it's like an artistic achievement you know i'm sure a lot of the other like every game has a director you know what i mean obviously um i don't know how much you know each director influenced each game that they work on i'm sure it's varying degrees but it's like from top down you can just see that man's dna and footprint on like every single aspect of the game and you can just like there's so many tropes in that game that were like you know kojima tropes kind of uh moving forward from that point on I, I, I gotta say, um, playing the game... So whenever you finish a mission, you get in the helicopter, you start flying back to wherever, and credits would roll, and it was always, like, directed by Hideo Kojima. I, the, first, the third time it, I saw credits playing this game, I was, like, raising an eyebrow, going, what the... Come on, man. They, they, heard, they, they heard me being like, I love the credits of Metal Gear Solid. I love it. They're like, oh, you like credits? Hold on. We're gonna put lots of credits on for you. Oh, my God. It was just, like, <laughs> I'm like... Um, okay, I guess these are little episodes. I I don't know. I don't know. But uh, I am glad that you said you're not slamming anyone who worked on the game, because I know Hideo Kojima is probably a huge fan of this podcast and was sitting there biting his nails going, is Andrew going to mention it? Metal Gear Solid? And is he going to uh, like take me to task for my faults? Senpai, notice me. There you go. And on that note, thanks to Kojima for listening, and 
thanks to everybody else, especially you, Sam. Thanks a lot, man. It was a oh, great time. No, it's always good to do this. This is a ton of fun, and uh, yeah. Um, well, I guess I don't really need it. It's for a keep. It. I gotta, you know what? I gotta find it. I have like as soon as you said wow. that, I started like looking around my room. So like, where lost, is it? Like, oh my god! I think it's under my bed. I'm gonna say this: if by the time the HD remaster of the trilogy comes out, if you haven't played it, you're gonna buy me the trilogy. I think that's uh, legally standing because I said it on a podcast. So honestly, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah, yeah. Um, up updates to follow about whether or not I found the disc. I'm awaiting that with anticipation. Seriously, my disc. <laughs> All right, dude. Have yourself a great one. Cheers, man. Yeah, you too. Take care. Cheers. Hey, guys. Thanks for tuning in to the Bubs and Nerves podcast. Don't forget to rate and subscribe to the Mind Refinery channel and follow us across all social media platforms. 